Back in the spring, my friend Mark Peters, who will actually be preaching here next week, invited me to do a trail run with him on the North Shore. The trail run is called the Baden-Powell. It's a 48 and a half kilometer run in the North Shore Mountains. Begins in Horseshoe Bay, going into the mountains, as you can see here, and ends in Deep Cove. Some of you are smiling like, wow. Some of you are like, that's terrible. (laughs) But when my friend invited me, I jumped at the opportunity, not only because I love to run, but because Mark's a really good friend, and I wanted to jump at the opportunity to, to do something with him. There was one really big problem, though. I was not in this kind of shape. Even though I love to run and, and, and regularly would do long runs, I've never run anything like this, especially in the North Shore Mountains. My friend Mark, however, is one of the fittest people I know. And even at the time of him asking me, which was months and months before we actually ran it, I think he was already in good enough shape to run this run. And so in order to run this with him, I knew that certain things would have to change that physically and in my running ability, I would have to become more like my friend Mark. And so I had to change my running habits and practices to be a lot more like my friend. I changed the way that I drank water, how much I drank, how often I drank it, how and when I ate, what I ate when I was running, how often I ate when I was running. I had to time how often I would have food when I was running so I could make sure my nutrition would sustain over this whole run. Another thing, probably most importantly, that had to change was the kinds of training runs that I did. My friend Mark lives in the North Shore Mountains, and so he regularly trains going up to altitude and down. I live at UBC, near Pacific Spirit Park. It's beautiful and nice and flat. And so my training practices needed to change to become more like my friends. So instead of my nice, flat trail run, which I love, I had to do hill and stair climbs over and over and over again in the hot Vancouver sun. I gave up the forest and moved my training regiment towards the beach. I would run from UBC, which is at an elevation, and I would go down to the beach. One of the stairs that I would do is called the Wreck Beach Stairway. If you've never done it before, there's 490 stairs one way. I would do six repeats up and down. It was terrible. (laughs) You may ask, why would a person subject themselves to this kind of insanity? It's a great question. And the reason is because physically I needed to become more like my friend in order to run this race. I also wanted to spend time with him. I would do that when, I was, when we were running together in the North Shore Mountains, but I knew if we wanted to run this race, this run together, that I would need to change my training practices to do so. So my change in training practices helped me to become more like him and to spend time with him. And in the first week of September this last year, we ran it. It took me eight and a half hours. <laughs> it was running and walking, <laughs> uh, but we finished it. And this is a picture of us at the end. Uh, I am much more tired than I look here. <laughs> I was exhausted and my knees hurt a lot. Uh, but it was a great joy, but also really difficult. 
My change in running practices helped me to become and to run more like my friend Mark and to spend time with him. We're in a new sermon series here at 10th, beginning today, called Spiritual Practices in a Digital Age. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at four ancient practices that over the the course of church history have helped Christians to root themselves in Jesus. And what we'll learn is that these ancient practices have not only helped the church root themselves historically, but can help to root and to re-root us in Jesus in the midst of our digital modern age. That like my running practices, how they help me to become like my friends and to be with him, that our spiritual practices are ultimately not about the practices themselves, but about being with Jesus and becoming like him. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up. We're going to turn to Psalm 1 together. As today, we're going to begin the first of the four spiritual practices in Scripture, which, as we'll see in Psalm 1, David calls the law of the Lord. Psalm 1, read verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word, your scripture, what David here calls the law of the Lord. We pray that today as we listen and meditate on scripture that we would be like trees planted by streams of water whose leaves would not wither but whose lives would bear great fruit. Amen. Well, as we begin this new sermon series, I think it's helpful for us to cultivate a shared language. Ask, what is a spiritual practice? Over the last 10 years, we talk a lot about spiritual practices here at 10th, don't we? We've, many of us have read Ken's book, God and My Everything, and we've been a part of, under Ken's preaching, where, again, Ken talks about spiritual practices probably once a month or, or more, which has been a great gift to us. But maybe for many of us, we're new to the idea of spiritual practices, or maybe we took up uh, a rhythm of life maybe 10 years ago when we were first invited to do so, but maybe it's dropped by the wayside. And so as we start this new series and reflect on our own spiritual practices, what is a spiritual practice? Dallas Willard, who was the professor of philosophy at University of California, or University of Southern California, is one of the, or was one of the foremost experts on spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines. And he says that a spiritual practice is this. It's a range of activities in which people cooperatively interact with God. I love this definition for a number of reasons, but one, that it's a range of activities. You know, often we talk about spiritual practices like it's just a a few small things, like maybe... Contemplative prayer, fasting, scripture, 
daily Bible reading, but actually it can be a number of different things, a number of different activities that ultimately cooperatively help us to engage and to interact with God. It's not about the practices themselves, but the one to whom the practices point. It's cooperative. It's about reaching out to God and engaging with him through those practices, but also becoming more aware and receptive to the fact that God every day is interacting and engaging with us. That it goes us towards God, but also God towards us. And our spiritual practices are ultimately meant to help our faith to take root in our everyday life. That means that our spiritual practices should shape our everyday life and change them. Should change how we work in whatever occupation we have. Should change how we parent and how we're a husband or a wife or a friend. Should shape how we use our time and our energy. Helps us to take root in our everyday life. So over these next four weeks, we're going to look at four spiritual practices. These are foundational spiritual practices in the history of the church. But again, they are not the only four spiritual practices that exist, that there are many. But we'll look at these four because either they've been foundational in the history of the church or because we feel like in this time and age, in our modern digital world, that this practice is more important than ever. These four practices are scripture, silence and solitude, fasting, and one that we often don't talk about, in-person connections. And so if you're joining us online, we actually invite you for these next four weeks to come and join us here in person. We're also going to be hosting, as I'll talk about a little bit later, after our 11 a.m. service um, every week, but a few times after our 9 a.m. as well, different learning opportunities and ways that we can practice these spiritual disciplines. And I'll talk about those a little bit later. John Mark Comer, who is a writer and used to be a pastor in Portland at Bridgetown Church, says that two of the main purposes of spiritual practices, similar to how my running practices help me to be with my friend and to become like him, that spiritual practices are about being with Jesus and becoming like him. And I love this framework because it's a good framework for us to come into Psalm 1 together and to study scripture. That in Psalm 1, in part, what David is talking about is those people who have a regular practice of delighting in scripture and meditating on scripture are those who are like trees who are planted in streams of water, whose lives not only flourish because they're planted in that stream of water, but because their lives bear fruit. That their lives both are with the Lord and become like the Lord. And so we want to look at these two together, how scripture and a regular practice of engaging in scripture in different ways can help us, one, to be with Jesus, to be with our Lord, and also to become like him. So let's start by going back to the passage in a sermon on scripture. It's a good thing for us to read it. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. 
Last month, many of you had a Christmas tree in your house. Some of you maybe had a live Christmas tree like we did in our home. And once you set up your Christmas tree, if you have a live one, what's one thing that you have to do or your tree will die? Water. You have to add water. If you don't add water to the base of your Christmas tree, what will happen? It'll wither and dry out and die within a day. The same David is saying is true, not only for a tree, but for us. That in order to flourish in our lives, personally and relationally, that we need to remain rooted in a kind of living water, namely God's presence. And for David, he says that those who delight and meditate on the law of the Lord root themselves in God's living water in his living presence. That scripture is one of the ways that we root ourselves into God, that we are with him. That scripture helps us to be with Jesus. Now, early on when I became a new follower of Jesus, I remember reading this book for the first time. Like any other book, I started at the beginning and just read my way through. And mostly I loved, loved reading and listening to Scripture. But a number of weeks in can get kind of overwhelming, can't it? You get to Leviticus, you get to Deuteronomy, things really slow down, don't they? And sometimes we can feel like the purpose of Scripture is to know its content, can feel kind of like a a novel or a textbook, something that we should learn and digest and memorize its material. And while all those things are good, learning about Scripture, learning about its content, memorizing its content, as I'll even talk about later, is a great thing. But all of those things are only a way to point us towards their ultimate purpose, namely, to the one to whom they point. Reading scripture, memorizing scripture, learning all about scripture really means very little unless we have a constant relationship with the one to whom they point. I know many biblical scholars who have no relationship with the living God, whose spiritual life is not flourishing but languishing. That spirituality is ultimately not about memorizing scripture and learning its content, but about allowing it to point us to the one who is behind scripture. The one who is in every word of its pages, the great lover of our souls. A great practice for me, in order to help me to see that scripture was not just a a book to be learned and memorized, but It's the living word that points us to the living God has been the practice of Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina literally means sacred reading. And it's a way of taking a small amount of scripture and allowing it to speak over us, allowing us to point not just to the words on the page, but to the living God who's behind them. I thought in a week when we're talking about spiritual practices, and being with Jesus that we would practice Lectio Divina together. So what I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to invite you, not yet, but to close your eyes and to center yourself in a place where you're finding peace or if your mind is full of chaos right now, that's okay. Just to breathe slowly to try and bring down your heart rate, but just to to find some peace. 
And I'm gonna take a small passage of scripture from Mark 1, just a couple of verses. And I'm gonna read those over us three times. And I'm gonna read really slow. And as I do, I, I wanna invite you into two questions. The first one is, are there any words or phrases or images that stand out to you in this passage? And when and if you do have a word or image or phrase that stands out to you, to then turn the second question to God. Lord, what does this word or image or phrase mean to me today? And as I begin, let me just say, if no word or image or phrase comes to mind, it's okay. There's no guilt. This isn't about accomplishing something. It's ultimately about being with Jesus, but also allowing ourselves to listen to him through scripture. So let me invite you just to take a moment right now to close your eyes. If you're joining us online as well, let me invite you to be present to this practice. It's so easy to skip ahead or get up and do something else, but whether we're here in person or online, just to take a moment to close your eyes. And I'm going to read a short passage from Mark 1. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Were there any words or images or phrases that stood out to you? So just keep those in your mind. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. I was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, 
He saw heaven being torn open. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son. Who am I love? With you, I am well pleased. And if so far a word or a phrase or an image has come to mind, you can ask the Lord, what does this mean to me today? I'll read the passage one more time. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth, in Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Stay there just for a final moment. Hope you enjoyed that practice. Lectio Divina is a practice that reminds us that scripture is not just about information and history, even though there's a lot of history in this Bible, especially about the history of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. But that's ultimately not just a historical document, but a living one that points us to the living God. If something like Electio Divina would be helpful for you in your spiritual practice of engaging in Scripture, let me commend to you a resource called the Electio Divina Journal. I use some of that resource uh, in preparing to lead you through Electio Divina. There's a, a digital copy which I purchased this week and found really helpful, um, but a physical one as well, if you like. Not everyone has time in the morning or later in the day or even during the middle of their day to do this kind of extended Lectio engagement with Scripture where we, we slow down. 
I think slowing down can be helpful because in our, our modern digital world, we, we move so fast, don't we? And yet I think of parents with young children or medical school students or medical residents where life just seems to move fast as a necessity in this season. And if that's the case and you're just looking for something even quick or on the go that you can do with Scripture, I want to commend some other resources to you, some things that have been really helpful for me. We've got a, a list of resources here. One of my favorites has been the Praise You Go app, where you can put it on. I often do this in the car. I'll, I'll put it on in the morning. It'll read a passage of Scripture, play some music, and help to ask some questions that remind me that this passage is ultimately pointing me towards the living God. The Bible app is a great one as well. The Read Scripture app. 10th Church Podcasts, where you can listen to all of our sermons, as well as the Bible Project app as well. Now, if you, like me, uh, listen or engage with the Bible on your phone, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I know there's some people, including my colleagues, who really would emphasize the, the physical Bible, the physical word. But I think it's great that many of us have a pocket, or a phone in our pocket, not a pocket in our phone, a phone, a Bible in our pocket. There we go. Um, I think that's actually great. But let me just give one piece of advice for those of you who do, as it can actually bring more difficulty than joy. One guiding principle, I think, for those of you who do want to use your Bible on your phone is this. When you use it, turn your phone on airplane mode. Ultimately, this engagement with Scripture, whether it be a praise you go or even just reading the Bible on your phone, if it's ringing and dinging and emails are coming in, ultimately it's going to continue to draw your attention away from the purpose, which is to spend time to be with the Lord. It's the same way maybe, you know, John B., if you went on a date with Marion and your phone was constantly ringing and buzzing as you were talking together, that'd be really annoying, wouldn't it, Marion? And it would draw you two away from each other rather than closer to each other. Imagine your reading of Scripture even on your phone as kind of like going on a date with the Lord. The purpose is to spend time with him rather than to allow our attention to be constantly and continually drawn away from that. So let me invite you, if you do that, just turn your phone on airplane mode and then when you're done, to turn that off. That one of the reasons and ways that we engage with scripture is to be with Jesus. The second reason is to become like him. In Psalm 1-3 it says, that person, so a person who meditates and delights in the law of the Lord, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Fruitfulness is not ultimately just about bearing fruit, but becoming the kind of trees who bear fruit, isn't it? Not to become a kind of willow tree, but to become a fruit tree that bears fruit. And spiritual practices aren't ultimately about creating fruit, but about becoming the kind of people who are fruitful. Just like how in my running practices, helping me to become a new kind of person, like my friend Mark, ultimately spiritual practices about shaping us to become fruitful people. And we do that by spending time with and becoming like Jesus. In our modern digital world, we're often so focused on outcome and what we can produce, that we're much less focused on becoming the kind of people who are in and of themselves fruitful. 
And a large part of that is from our technological era. Andy Crouch, who is a social critic and a writer, says this, technology is the ability to cause change without being changed. Technology is the ability to cause change without being changed. So sometimes we can often think, you know what, in my spiritual life, if I just find the right app, if I just find the right practice, that things will go well in my life, that I'll become fruitful. But spiritual practices aren't ultimately about just bearing fruits, but about becoming the kind of people who in and of themselves are fruitful. And we're fruitful because our lives become like Jesus, in and through spending time with him and learning about him and what he invites us into. It's an invitation to become like Jesus and to bear the fruit of Jesus' life in and through our own lives as well. Dallas Willard, who I mentioned earlier, is one of the foremost thinkers and writers on spiritual formation and spiritual practices, said that in his own life, the most important practice was Bible memorization. He says this, through memorization, God's word resides in our bodies, in our social environment, in the constant orientation of our will, and in the depths of our soul. They become a power, a substance that sustain and direct us without even thinking of them. And they emerge into conscious thought and action as needed. You've perhaps heard the phrase, you are what you eat, that our food comes into our bodies and becomes a part of us. Well, so too, we are what we memorize. We are also how we think. We're not only how we think, but we are also what we think. Paul, in the letter to Romans, talks about the renewing of our minds. And there's no spiritual practice that is more helpful in the renewing of our minds than that of Bible memorization. Over 10 years ago, when I worked for the city of Vancouver and had a lot more time on my hands during my workday, I found that I wanted to read and study, but also memorize parts of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And for many days and weeks, I just spent time reading and reading and rereading this passage over and over again. I wanted to read and memorize ideally the first 15 verses and was able to do that, although most of it doesn't come easily to memory anymore. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, grace to you and peace from the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenlies with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us to be his sons and daughters. In love, he predestined us according to his great will and pleasure. There's some, some parts that are still a little tricky for me. But it's one of those passages that for me, because I've taken time to memorize it, has become a part of the orientation of my mind and my will. Paul wrote this while he was in prison during one of the most difficult times of his life. And yet even during in prison, Paul was able to bless God, but also to talk about the ways that God has blessed him with every spiritual blessing. And I find that in times when I'm going through difficult seasons or through specific challenges, 
I find those words, just because I've taken the time to memorize them, God bringing them up more than many others back into my mind. Reminding me that even through difficult seasons that we can not only bless God, but that even in those times that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in and through what Christ has done with us. The scripture memorization helps to renew our minds and it changes the way that we see ourselves, the way we see God, and the way we see the world. Two resources that I've used over the years to do Bible memorization are these two. The Bible, I just want to get the name of the, the app right, the Bible memory app, which you see on your left, and then the topical memory system from Navigators. The Bible memory app is a really great one. It keeps track of the ones you memorize and reminds you to, to engage with them again and again. Maybe some of you have, have used it before. The second one is a card system. So when I was using that, I would often put them in the, the back of my phone and just open it up and, and look at the passage uh, every now and then. So very two very different ones. One's on your phone, and one of them is a, a set of cards that you can take around with you. So the Bible memory app and the topical memory system from Navigators, if that's a practice that you want to start or restart this new year. Scripture is ultimately not about the practice itself, but about pointing us to the one who is the living God. It helps us to root our lives in God's living water, to help us to be with him, but also to be like him. And over these next four weeks, many of you are thinking about habits and different practices in your own life. And so each week, um, especially after our 11 a.m. service, we want to have different workshops for you to help to engage with how do we live and embody these different spiritual practices over this month. So, for example, after our 11 a.m. service today, my wife Sabine and I are going to be sitting here talking a little bit about how we have created a rule of life and some spiritual practices in our life and let people ask questions. Next week, my friend Mark, who I mentioned was the one running with me, who actually leads our denominational district locally, he's going to be here to talk about um, uh, silence and solitude and talk about his own rhythm, but again, letting our community ask him questions. In week three, uh, Pastor Ashling, who's our, our family life pastor, is going to meet with parents and talk about ways that families can engage in a rhythm of prayer together. And then in week four, which is where we're talking about in-person relationships, in-person connections, we'll actually have a community meal after both of our services. After our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. service downstairs, we're going to do the practice of eating together and spending time together. Finally, before I pray and close, many of you received one of these rule of life worksheets uh, when you came in. We're going to have these out for the next month. And let me invite you to think about your own rule of life. Maybe at the beginning of the month to think about what is your rule of life now, whether it be intended or unintended. And by the end of the month to reconsider or to recommit to the rule of life that you want to submit yourself to. As you do, maybe don't fill out every single square, but commit to maybe two or three squares that you'd like to re-engage and recommit to in your rule of life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your living word and that 
You speak to us and are present to us in and through it. May we become people who are like trees, planted by streams of living water, who do not wither but flourish, and who bear great fruit. Amen.